Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Steven. I'm here, as always, with my friends, Chris. Hello. And Patrick. Hiya. And it's spooky season, guys. It's October 2nd. We're officially there. Chris is drinking a monster. Very scary indeed. Yep, I'm feeling spooky. Yeah, was, that was going to be my question. How are you guys feeling? Halloween's coming up soon. It's time to watch a horror movie a day or two if you can manage it. Dude, I'm feeling excited. I fucking love Halloween time, and I'm going to be spending it in New Orleans. One of the, I would argue, the spookiest season, uh, <laughs> spookiest what, what? cities in the country. Yeah, this year. certainly one of the most haunted. If you believe in that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm going to be there for the next month, so I'll be uh, I'll be joining you guys even more remotely than usual. But maybe I'll have some extra spooky uh, goings on to report. You should bring on a, a special guest that you find in New Orleans, who's you know into, into black magic. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. Shouldn't be hard to find, I would think. I've been feeling great. I've been uh, enjoying the, the... So the last two years, I haven't really been able to absorb the spooky season as well as I would like. And so it's been very frustrating. I've been very frustrated for about three years. And now, finally... <laughs> it's a coincidentally about as long as we've been doing this podcast. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> um but now I, I, I finally, uh, I, I've been having a, a good few days of just kind of getting in the horror vibes. I've been participating in the Inktober challenge, which is a pen and ink drawing challenge where you draw something every day. And I, I am using a little bit of ink, but mostly using my iPad to make horror themed drawings every day, uh, which I am posting on my personal Instagram if you, if you want to check that out you're welcome to but no i've been having great the weather's perfect got a lot of spooky things lined up Have, looking forward to a good month oh yeah I'm, I'm having a great time as well we should say we are here to talk about the movie the block island sound but i feel like we're in the midst of our usual horror catch-up um what have y'all been watching reading listening to since our last episode well i watched malignant so i can catch up on that discussion Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have seen it twice in the last week. I watched it on HBO Max, and then I watched it with my siblings and actual movie oh, wow. theater. Oh, nice. Which I, I, I was kind of hoping that it would be like kind of a crowded theater, but we were the only people in it, so didn't get any of the crowd reaction that I was sort of hoping for. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it was a blast. Um, you know, at the, for the, the first 30 to 40 minutes, I was like, is, is James Wan sandbagging it here? What's going on? This feels like a Netflix movie. <laughs> movie uh but in in Juan we trust i never should have doubted the the new horror master um because it's it's <laughs> you, you can't talk about it any more than we already have you can't nope. <laughs> well here's my here's this has been my lingering question about the film um because you know i had a fantastic time with it even though i'm still a little bit perplexed by uh the the author's intentions in certain places uh, but i chose to embrace it had a wonderful time. I wondered, though, a couple of days after seeing it, after talking with Patrick and some other folks, is this thing going to have any staying power? Is this going to be a future cult hit that we talk about for generations? 
the more time has gone on since I've seen it, the less I've had a desire to revisit it. Chris, how was it the second time? It was more enjoyable for me the the first time than the first time. Um, I, the slow parts, I mean, because mm-hmm. the the whole movie is kind of like a magic trick, <laughs> sort of. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I can't really get into any more of that, but it's all kind of a magic trick. And so watching it a second time, you can kind of appreciate the intent of every scene, whether it's trying to give you clues or trying to misdirect you, and you can kind of play along that way. Um, but yeah, that said, like, once you've seen the trick, I don't know if it really has staying power. It, it's kind of a, a trollish movie. <laughs> and once you're trolled, you can't be trolled again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, my thought was I will revisit it again probably before October's over. But I have a feeling that in years to come, I'm going to rather revisit the things that it was inspired by than Malignant itself. Yeah. I'm going to want to watch some some Dark Castle movies from the early 2000s. I'm going to watch some Frank Henenlotter stuff. Um I, I predict, though, and, and I say this because uh, uh, my, it's on the table for both my sister and one of my sister's best friends. Malignant may be a a major Halloween costume oh, slash yeah. convention costume coming up. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that it's, uh, it's such a great iconic look. You know, even though yeah. it's borrowing from so many things, it's wholly yeah. unique. That that fucking knife, man. Yeah, I've never been so excited about an improvised weapon before. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then and then briefly, uh, I did I did say I would update everybody when I finished Resident Evil Village, and I have finished Resident Evil Village at long last. Uh, it's good. It's good. It, 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 I, I didn't like it as much as seven. Um, there's some design issues that are kind of meh. some choices were made that like the it takes the the first person's creepy kind of uh, uh, slower interface from seven but then tries to make it more of an action game it doesn't really Mm. work for me and then it gets it gets quite japanese at the end and but by that i mean it does this thing that a lot of japanese games do where the silliest stupidest shit you've ever seen in your life happens but it's played completely sincerely and actually sentimentally and you're like okay (laughs) and there's the inevitable uh uh m night Shyamalan cameo to explain what's been going on the whole time in the village right um it's not M. Night Shyamalan, but pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> nice. Um, so, whatever. Wor- worth a play. I don't regret it. But uh, it, I guess at the, in the end, I was a little disappointed by it. Oh, well. Uh, Patrick, I know we have a, a shared experience. I don't know if you've finished it yet. Probably not. But Midnight Mass, the new Mike Flanagan show, is yes. out. Um, I binged it. I didn't have any plans last weekend, which is kind of rare for me. So I watched a ton of shit, binged that in like two days. And found it got off to a pretty slow start. It took some time to adjust myself to Mike Flanagan's worldview in which characters speak almost entirely in monologue. But once I, after about an episode and I got into it, it really kind of haunted me. And I was, I was compelled again to just binge it in, in two goes. Really fantastic setting, great writing. Doesn't, Patrick, you mentioned it doesn't really feel like horror up to the last point we talked. And, and I think that's intentional because when it does lean into horror, it leans in. Uh, pretty hard indeed toward the end so i i overall i would recommend it i think it's messy in places definitely has a feel of something that was made during the pandemic with a lot of limitations in place but i think mm. it's some of his strongest work yeah i found it extremely compelling so far 
as I said to you the other day, the horror bits are few and far between at the point I'm at right now, which is about halfway through. I'm on episode three of seven, but the characters have really drawn me in. The performances have really drawn me in. Zach Guilford, who I fucking loved on Friday Night Lights, is incredible in the ostensibly the lead role of this and hamish Linklater is also just fucking oh my god he's a dream in this <laughs> they're they're and together they're like incredible they have some intense scenes but i love the way it, it has been slow but flanagan has drawn me into this world and these characters and mm-hmm. and i'm just you know i'm compelled and i'm very interested to see what happens as it you know takes a harder turn into horror it, that's a hallmark of these shows that he's done for netflix though like they're all so they take a while to establish characters and to for you to figure out what the hell is going on you know i i said yeah. to allison with a y the other night i was like okay so like you know, where's the point where we're going to figure out what's going on? What's going to be the episode that's like devoted to a single character where our perception of that character changes dramatically and emotionally? You know, what's going to be the the boogeyman that turns out to have like some deep emotional connection to some character? And when is the the two storms episode, you know, the bottle <laughs> episode in the funeral yeah. parlor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, there is a formula to a certain degree, and you can make fun of Flanagan for a lot of things, but he's fucking great, man. I I never fail to enjoy his shit and to be moved by it and to be spooked by it, you know? I mean, what else can you ask for? I was thinking about Mike Flanagan because I think among the people who are really working today, he might be the man with the most, with the biggest and most consistent Halloween energy, mm. you know? It's hmm. like because there's there's horror movies and then there's there's Halloween movies, you know. Yeah, and that's not you're not you know like The Witch, great horror movie, not really Halloweeny to me. But mm. when you talk about like things you want to watch on Halloween, I think uh, Mike Flanagan's got his finger on the pulse. <laughs> well, and Chris, you're gonna love this because I know you're a fan of Dead and Buried. I've talked about uh, my recent obsession with seaside horror, and yes. like this is just dripping with that energy. It is delicious. Oh yeah, can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, um, I can't wait to finish it. That that would be a great transition. It would into be. the film in the film that we're about to describe. But I have one more thing for you guys. I have one more too. After that, <laughs> okay, I'll make this really quick because it is kind of a short movie. I recently discovered um, there's this British uh, BBC TV series from the 70s called A Ghost Story for Christmas, mm. and these are like hour long, you know, kind of short teleplays. Mostly in the in the traditional like Mr. James uh, ghost story uh, style, but there's one episode I watched that is one of the creepiest things I've seen probably in my entire life. It's called Stigma. This is from 1977. A couple moves into a cottage in the countryside. There are these stone monoliths surrounding the land around their house through the cornfields, and one of the stones happens to be in their yard they tell the workmen to move the stone well immediately a curse is unleashed and the wife in the household starts to mysteriously bleed from her pores and she spends most of the episode in the bathroom trying to hide the fact that she's bleeding some obvious metaphors there and i i gotta tell you like this film feels cursed it is so cool. It's so like unexpectedly stylish for something made for TV. Um, I implore both of you to watch it. It's on YouTube for free. 
So that's Stigma from 1977. What do you got, Patrick? Oh, on a completely different lighthearted note, I watched something that I've been meaning to watch for years, the special Toy Story of Terror, which is the Halloween-themed Toy Story TV special. I mean, you know, not the greatest thing I've ever watched. There's some clunky (laughs) shit in it, but it was cute. It was fun, and if you like Toy Story, it's a it's a charming, uh, quick little watch for the Halloween season. I had fun with it. Now to the matter at hand, Block Island Sound. We usually discuss why one of us picked the movie that we're going to talk about. I think this one's pretty obvious. Our good friend, 13 and 14 Cameras star, legend of the screen, Neville Archambeau, is featured in this film. He told us about it before I think there was any news on the internet about it. So that we might have let a scoop go, I think, <laughs> when we <laughs> interviewed him. Well, this is a movie that's been on Netflix for about a year now. It's it's been pretty highly acclaimed. Um and we've been Fuck, thinking has of it been that long? It. Yeah. Shit. Um well it came out in August of last year. I don't I don't mm. know how long it's been on Netflix, but wow. I feel like it dropped pretty soon after. I was thinking about this because I was very happy that you chose this movie and it's something that I've been wanting to see, you know, since we talked mm-hmm. to Neville about it, but like if it's my turn to pick a movie, I'm never going to pick it because you know it's a Netflix exclusive original movie and it's always going to be there. It's going to be there next time you get to pick a movie, right? And I feel like Netflix might do well to, you know, take some lessons from from Disney and and artificially make their movies scarce and put them back in the vault because you know if you're on social media, if you're on Twitter like I am 13 to 14 hours a day, you see um You know, movies that appear on streaming and then they become relevant again and people start talking about them again. Yeah. Like, I've seen a lot of chatter about the Twilight movies because they've been on Netflix, you know, recently. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there'll be a franchise or a movie that, you know, people liked and forgot about and then it comes back up and people start talking about it again. But, you know, you have a movie like Bird Box that's on Netflix and it's it's big and then it's you know, it's always there. No one cares. But like, imagine if Bird Box went away for five years and then Bird Box came back, it might find another life, you know? So, so Chris, what you're telling me is you want Netflix to take cargo and the perfection back off so that they can come back and we can have some more discourse about them. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I know. I know you've been waiting for that. Yes. No, Chris, I've been thinking about this exact same concept and I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I think and it's because of this movie, because I realized, like, I picked it without even looking to see if it was still in the horror category, which is uh, a, a pretty dangerous move that I won't make again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this is not a Netflix original either, um, interestingly enough. But I do think with their original content, they would do well to have more of a curated approach like Shudder does and, like, take some of these things away and find movies that pair well together and, like, every month have, like, a little little queue of horror movies that they've produced, you know, Mm -hmm. that have been specifically selected for whatever month, uh, whatever season it is. But who am I to say? I mean, they're making tons of money and clearly it's working. I was going to say, you guys are talking like Netflix needs like some advice to get some more subscribers. Like Netflix is the fucking king of streaming. What it would do for me is it would, it would, it would break up the algorithms and make me more likely to see stuff that I've put off because I just assume it's always going to be there. There are a number of acclaimed films that I just haven't gotten around to because I know it's in a safe space. And if I'm Mm -hmm. ever in the mood, it's in my queue. It's in my list. And honestly, I'll probably never watch it. But if they take it away from me and bring it back and I see a news article about it, I'm more likely to tune in. Hmm. Yep. I've never thought about that before. Huh. 
What the fuck is the Black Island sound the about, The Black though? Island sound, I mean, we begin on and our, our hero, our friend, <laughs> Neville Archambeau, he's, he's an older fisherman, has a kind of a strange incident at sea, and uh, he lives with his son. He starts having kind of blackouts, hallucinations, acting weird. We're not really sure quite what's going on with him. Fuck, I'm having a hard time trying to set this up. Well, I mean, can anybody else do a better job? Well, the, 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 the fundamental thing is there's not a lot going on in this movie. It's true. It's like, true. you kind of just described the plot in 15 seconds. You pretty much just summed it up. There's a fisherman played by Neville and his son. They live together on Block Island, a pretty small community being an island and which is a real place by the way i don't know if you guys saw that but it's in R- rhode island oh i know people people who listen to billy joel are well familiar with the black island sounds <laughs> and, and, uh, and i am not uh, one of those people any experiences a fisherman on the black island sound not not like that not like this experience though so these wait these, you said billy joel was a fisherman on the black island sound uh he he sings about it oh okay 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 um Anyway. So it's so it's kind of like when Bruce Springsteen sings about like working a minimum wage job. Yeah, it's like Allentown. He, <laughs> Billy Joel yeah. did not, you know, work in the steel mill, but he he relates to the plight. Great. So to or, fully or contextualized for me now. Thank you. But Neville and his so Neville and his son live together. Neville's you know kind of old guy who's who's a, he's a what's his job he might be retired he might be a fisherman for pro he seems like he's it's just hard kind to of say. a, a yeah. hobbyist fisherman we don't mm-hmm. know what these people do for a living uh <laughs> but you know he wakes up on his boat nothing's right he starts acting very strange uh the son realizes he act- he's acting very strange meanwhile there's all these like fish kills washing up on the shore of the island so uh neville's daughter works for the epa and one of her colleagues arrive on the island to sort of investigate the the Mm -hmm. fish die-offs and and things of that nature i don't think it's a spoiler to say that that neville dies pretty early on he's found he disappears one night and is found washed up on the shore dead (laughs) and shortly afterwards while investigating the cause of death uh, the son named Harry, which is easy to remember because he looks like Prince Harry, <laughs> goes off to look for the cause of his father's death. And then he starts, you know, strange things start happening to him. He starts blacking out. He starts acting weird. And what kind of malevolent presence exists off the coast of Black Island in the water? And is it controlling people? And what does it want? And that is basically the mystery uh, of the movie. And the whole movie kind of just flirts with that mystery. And you know what? Like Patrick said, there's not a whole lot happening, but there's a lot of drama. It's more of a drama than a horror Mm -hmm. movie for most of this runtime. You kind of have the interpersonal relationships of these characters and what happens when people start acting crazy. How are they dealing with the stress and the grief of their situation and, and, and things of that nature? But it is a horror movie. It gets spooky. It does get spooky and it flirts with different uh, it, it teases you into thinking it's going to go in a number of different directions, which is something I appreciated about it. I mean, there's one sequence in particular that we get kind of two two versions of it in the film, one of them being the climax. And it kind of takes on a different level of intensity and meaning when we, when we see this particular thing happen again. Um, because we've been led and misdirected in all of these interesting ways leading up to that point. It doesn't help that we have a, a con- or I guess it does help because I like that about it. We have a, a conspiracy theory uh, theorist best friend character in this film <laughs> who ha- has his own opinions about what he thinks is going on. Um, well, that was an interesting device because it's like the second scene of the movie. We have Harry talking to his 
conspiracy theorist friend. And, you yeah. know, whenever you have someone who's like, hey, by the way, I'm going to let the audience know what toxic plasmosis is or yeah. something like that. <laughs> you you kind of get the sense that it's telegraphing what's going on in the, in the, in the plot. So, but it really ways, isn't, is it? It isn't. And I've, I, yeah. I rewatched the first half. No, I mean, I, I think Chris is on, on the same page, though. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it feels that way. Um, and it's such a great misdirect. Where you're like, I don't know, this guy's clearly crazy. They, clearly, I'm supposed to like take uh, the filmmakers want me to take this information and keep it in the back of my head, but it's kind of a red herring. Hmm. I will say, I, I any movie that has a, uh, a a lead that is a specific type of scientist, especially a marine biologist, mm-hmm. I am a big fan of. I love I it. thought <laughs> I thought of you during this. Is, um, I, and you'd enjoy it. I, I love it when the premise is like, there's something spooky going on in the water, so a marine biologist has to team up with a fisherman to, to figure it out. Oh, and I love the scene. Um, actually, this is where I finally thought of you. The scene where the um, the nice sister, because we get a, a, a bitchy third sister later in the film. Yeah. Um, the, the nice sister is explaining to her daughter like what her job is, basically, and like trying to explain how... The, the, her daughter has captured a frog in a jar, and she she's trying to explain to her daughter that that's not okay. And her daughter starts asking questions like kids do about like, well, what about your job? Like you take fish out of the water and study them and some of them die. And it's like a really great kind of low key moment of drama and conversation that we don't often see in these low budget indie horror movies. I thought it was lovely. And by and large, I thought I I was pretty interested in what was going on for the whole movie because I thought the characters were very rich and the performances were fantastic far beyond what i expected and i don't know what i expected like so the connection here to like you know 13 and 14 cameras besides just neville is that the directors of this movie the mcmanus brothers were the producers of 13 and 14 cameras and i think i went into this expecting something a little bit more in the 13 and 14 cameras vein um didn't they write or direct at least one of those movies too they did not direct they might have had a hand in writing i'm not sure oh okay Um, okay this is this is wild because they are known for a series called american vandal on netflix which i haven't seen but it's been highly acclaimed Mm. i had no idea but i didn't i didn't imdb him i didn't know about the 1314 cameras connection because my biggest question watching this was how did they discover neville well, I guess it's obvious now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but like, you know, 13, 14 cameras kind of has, um, you know, unsympathetic characters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not, those, they're not very subtle films. <laughs> um, and so I was kind of surprised at, at, at how rich the character work was in this and, and how good the performances were, even in the supporting cast, you know, cause conspiracy theory guy was great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, the, the local police were great. Uh, hardly a foul note in the, in the performances and the characters. And that's kind of what held my interest throughout this movie, because there's not a whole lot of spooky stuff. It's kind of like, do you care about this guy and what he's going through? And I did. Hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I I have seen this. uh, I've just kind of like briefly looked at like audience reviews to see how people felt about this movie. And there is a lot of complaining about nothing happens in this movie. I I disagree with that, but I understand why people expecting a different kind of film. Maybe the one that the trailer makes it out to be would be looking for. But um, but there there are spooks, there are scares, and they're pretty heavy hitting when they come, even though they're few and far between, but it's really rare for a movie on this scale to have such enriching drama and great performances, like you said. Hmm. 
Patrick, you're doing a lot of human. Do yeah, I, I, I don't know. This this was a non-starter for me, and I I uh, I don't know. I, I it's weird because it it reminded me so strongly of something we already talked about. Midnight Mass. It's got that seaside vibe. It's slow moving. It's horror. There's not a lot of like spooky stuff in it. It's it's character focused and. Midnight Mass works for me, and this really didn't. And I'm not entirely sure why. There was nothing necessarily bad about it. The performances were adequate. Neville was great. Neville was the fucking highlight of the show, but there was so little of him. And I really did have that feeling at the end of like, okay, what did I just watch? Like, Or, or why did I just watch that? The, well, I the, gotta the, say. The ending especially was just baffling to me, and I don't understand what the intent was. I gotta say, so I just I just finished Midnight Mass a couple of days ago, and I started to watch this movie and put it away and waited a couple of days because I realized, especially given that it's a similar setting, kind of similar tone, um, similar approach to drama and dialogue, I was like, you know what? Like, my mind is tainted with Midnight Mass. <laughs> like, that is, like, such a... Such a such a great interesting well done show anything i watch is going to pale in comparison to it right now mm. so i waited a couple more days and reapproached it and like locked in the first time i watched about a half hour and i just i i i, I was i was out for blood <laughs> <laughs> damn all right that that so this movie's been on netflix for for years and then we just happen to watch it when your palates are warped by some other uh-huh. series that just came out it's not fair at all um but I don't know. I, I feel like I was still approaching it on its own terms, but I don't know. It was, it was, well, no, I guess I'm not because obviously I'm comparing the two things, mm-hmm. but they are quite similar and just this one didn't do much of anything for me. I, I kind of understand what you're saying. And this movie did remind me of similar and better movies uh, as well. And I'll get into that later, I'm sure. But back to Neville. It was good to see him in this role early on when he's mm-hmm. like warm and fun and like a, a, mm-hmm. a good guy <laughs> after seeing him in 13 and 14 cameras. And I, I, I really appreciate that. And of course, you know, he, he does kind of, you see visions of him later on where they're, they're taking advantage of him being, you know, imposing and kind of scary looking. But, um, I mean, it's clear that that's the stuff they hired him for, but he really does shine in those early moments. Like you just, I just wanted to give him a hug, you know, he's so warm and fun. He's kind of bumbling and he's still kind of beleaguered with grief over the loss of his wife and trying to, I thought he was fantastic. I would go out on a boat with him. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's Block Island Sound or uh, Acapulco Bay. <laughs> I mean, our dude is talented. Like, Neville can Neville can act. You know, he, he brings it. Like, we obviously all took notice of his just one-of-a-kind performance in 13 cameras. And it was nice, since I don't think we've seen him in anything else, to you know see him take on a very different role and to fit in he just feels so natural um and yeah i did want to just like hang out with him other than when he was like awkwardly trying to set up his daughter with her (laughs) subordinate at work even that was even that was charming because you get the sense that like before we know what's wrong with him you get the sense that the family thinks he has dementia or something you know he's sleepwalking a lot he's a little forgetful he's doing some you know he's a little bit awkward um I don't know. I, 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 I still liked his character even in that moment because he just like, he thought he was doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, God, we say this so often, but this movie is kind of hard to talk about because we won't say that not a lot happens, but 
I'll say not a lot happens. I'll go there. I'll do it. I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> should we? Should we say it? Well, it's it's uh, it's a lot happens, but it's all in the nuances, and it's not really right. stuff that we can really talk to. You know, there's just just a lot of character driven scenes, a lot of character driven moments, and sort of this mystery of what the hell is going on in the ocean kind of hangs over your head until you know the last ten minutes of the movie. You know, I will say something I, I appreciate about this film upon reflection is that there were moments where I was like, oh, I'm kind of tired of this, like, is is our protagonist crazy or not? You know, like, we're kind of like the, the, his family members, especially when his other sister comes to the island, we're wondering, you know, he's having these blackouts, he's, you know, throwing away his all of his technology his fucking div- multiple dvd players as um, he, he should as he and, should and yet there's still one left in the house after that happens that works uh sort of but there's this you know there's this kind of energy like all right is he crazy or is there something really going on is his conspiracy theory friend onto something or not but the movie grounds us in actually having the uh, the environmental phenomena occurring occasionally, like the birds falling out of the sky, the fish washing up on the sea. And, mm-hmm. and I appreciated that, because any moment where I started to doubt our protagonist or that he was just kind of losing his mind with grief and alcoholism, I remembered, oh, yeah, there is actually a mystery here, regardless of all this. Mm-hmm. It's good writing. Yeah, and and I like that. And I, 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 there's been more and more, especially these seaside movies that deal with sort of ecological collapse. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. And I wish that this movie had maybe a little bit more to say about it. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of get what it's going for, but it's it's very very broad. Um, there was a brief subplot where they kind of blame everybody's craziness on the wind turbines, which rubbed me yeah. the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was worried for a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the ultimate conclusion of the movie, but I thought even Isn't suggesting it? that was kind of uh, inappropriate. <laughs> Did I miss something? Yeah, I don't... really towed the line. <laughs> I mean, is there an ultimate conclusion to this movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We'll we'll get into it in the spoiler room. There is a conclusive answer to what's going on. I think so. Huh? I think so too. Okay. I mean. We'll see it's, if we're on the same page about that. Yeah, oh, I can't. I can't wait to talk about that. Because <laughs> um, my that's read kinda... was that it was the wind, the wind turbines, and the EMFs, and I was like, "What the fuck was this no. horror movie? Like no, fucking no, 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 no. produced, no, 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 produced no, no, no. by President Donald J. Trump?" <laughs> I no. was worried it was going to go there for a minute, but I would say it definitively does not. I was worried it was going to go there too, but yeah. Huh. I don't know. Maybe maybe I missed something. He, Patrick blacked out. <laughs> yeah, I did. Spent too much time out on the sound. I got yeah. sucked um, up into the fucking sky. Yeah. <laughs> he just woke up on the hood of his car, not remembering the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. But the fun of this movie, for me, was the constantly shifting sort of direction. The, the The mystery kind of evolves to where we start asking, is this paranormal? Is it supernatural? Is it a government conspiracy? Is it, you know, like an, an ecological disaster that's man-made? Like, what is it? Is it just purely in a couple of characters' heads? Mm-hmm. And you never really know until the end. And, and I found that fun. That really pulled me through some of the, the slower moments in this. It's kind of like Malignant. In a little that, bit. You know, <laughs> it, it, kind of, it kind of teases a bunch of pretty... Uh, un- it teases a bunch of possible solutions to the question that are all compelling in their own ways um and you know kind of brings you along 
Yeah, well, I think we've illustrated that it's really hard to talk about this any further without getting into spoilers. Do you all feel the same way? I feel the same way. Let's give it some reviews and let's go to the spoiler room and, and talk about what what really happens. I, yeah, I want to find out what the spoilers are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Chris, why don't you go first? All right. I'm going to give it a cue. It, this was, I thought, a very good movie uh, or at least a very interesting movie. Uh, I thought the character stuff, like I said, was great. There was enough to keep my attention throughout the whole movie. The reason I'm not giving it a view it is just because it seemed a little bit thin especially the conclusion was a little thin to me and also it reminded me of better movies specifically it reminded me a lot of sea fever which i've talked about before fuck i still need to see that and i thought of it while watching this (laughs) um reminded me a bit of the beach house on shutter which Uh i also liked uh these these like seaside there's something wrong in the ocean movies which it's it's a genre that i really enjoy and this movie doesn't really do enough to separate itself from the pack but it goes to show that you know if you actually spend some time with the characters and you have good performances and like i said i don't think there's a bad performance in the whole movie you can really make a entertaining and watchable and interesting movie even if some stuff doesn't add up you know plot wise or whatever so yeah give it a cue i'll, I'll put it put it in your cue but, but also put these other uh seaside movies in your cue that i mentioned Steven, how about you? I also give it a cue. It. It's, it's I, I, um, like I said, I had a hard time with it the first go I gave it, but once I cleansed my palate of, of Mike Flanagan, um, and got on this movie's level, and also recognizing that it's a pretty, pretty, you know, low budget indie film, I, I thought it really stood out from, from the pack in that regard, in that, performances are great the writing is interesting i was constantly guessing right up until the end what the resolution to this mystery was going to be it's a little too light on horror for my taste maybe i mean the 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 moments that we get are great there are a couple that will stick in my mind but i i wish it had had the guts to be a little more bombastic in places Mm -hmm. other than that though totally solid movie if you're into aquatic horror if you're into seaside horror if you're into small intimate dramas where there's kind of a a psychological element and a family's being torn apart which is a genre i kind of like definitely check it out patrick i almost feel like i should recuse myself from this because i like i i just feel like i missed something fundamentally and it's quite possible that I mean, yesterday was an extremely intense day for me. There was a lot of family health uh, issues going on that I was dealing with uh, that may have distracted me from this, and I didn't perceive it in the way I was intended to. I almost want to give it a screw it because it just did nothing for me, and I have a hard time You're recommending to it that. to anyone. You can chalk it up to but, 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 but up to the movie too. That's fine. But I don't. I, I don't know. I don't want to do that. Just on the off chance that I like completely missed something because it's quite possible. So I guess I'll just give it a low cue it. I'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll go with that. All right. Ending with a whimper here. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll be back in a, in a few moments to discuss spoilers. Maybe clue Patrick into what he what he may or may not have missed. Mm-hmm. Um, Please. Before that, I want at least one of you has a spiel for us. I'm sure. Yeah, it's our regular spiel, and it's just reminding you to you know check us out online if you haven't already. Follow us on sh- social media at AmonCast, E-H-M-O-N Cast. Uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. You can find us at everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com, even though the website's broken. Maybe it won't be by the time you hear this. <laughs> 
doubtful. You know, we're, we're selling t-shirts <laughs> through that website. We're selling coffee cups through that website. You can check one out. You can buy one if you want. And, you know, as always, please leave us reviews on your, your podcast uh, service of choice. We love uh, getting the feedback and it helps other people find the show. So give us that five stars. Give us that four stars. Three, two, one star. Maybe not so much, but, you know. Get the fuck out of here with that. Get the fuck out of here with your three, two, one <laughs> star rating. Yeah, don't even give them the option. Come on. And then, um, you know, as always, you know, feel free to tell us what you thought of the movie and your take, because we like hearing how these movies landed with our listeners. So with that being said, I guess we'll move on to the spoiler room and be back in a few seconds to give you all the spoilers and all the details about what happens out on the Block Island Sound. All right, well, we're back. We're down here in the spoiler room. We're going to spoil everything, every goddamn motherfucking thing about Block Island Sound. Some of it might even be a surprise to Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I mean, like, did I miss an alien? Was there an alien? There's no aliens. There's no alien. Not an alien in sight. You you didn't... No, 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 no. They're implied aliens. Implied aliens, and that's the thing. And and let me say, say, first of all, that... Few things in this world scare me more than alien abduction. Same. It's yeah. always been one of my biggest fears, even though it's completely hmm. irrational. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I've never, I've actually never thought about that. I do think about alien invasion a lot, and that's one of those things where you know what? I like welcoming alien invasion because I feel like they would almost certainly run shit better than we do. Alien abduction, I have, though, I will admit, alien abduction does sound kind of scary. I have nightmares about this. Well, the two go hand in hand in this yeah. movie. Yeah. I, I have nightmares about aliens more than anything else, and they stem probably from my fascination with the X-Files as a kid, um, and then that got me into watching, like, Fire in the Sky and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and even in Close Encounters, when these are seemingly, seemingly nice, benevolent aliens who like to hug, it still <laughs> scared the fuck out of me as a kid. I had a UFO sighting as a child, which I me know too. Pat, Patrick is aware of. Um, it's a long story that I want, maybe if... Once we get a Patreon up and running, that could be a bonus. Up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it scares the fuck out of me. And the first time we see our protagonist just get lifted up into the air out of nowhere, I got chills. It, it touched a chord with my, my child brain. Uh, but that's before we really know that we're dealing with aliens, right? Yes. So Yes. And, so- and like even the first time seeing that sequence, which I did watch twice, the first time I the thought entered my brain, maybe it's aliens, but everything that happened up until that point, I just assumed it was something else that I couldn't possibly imagine. It couldn't they're, be aliens. They're mm. telling you sea monster through the whole movie. They're yeah. saying sea monster, sea monster, sea monster. Not not <laughs> yeah. literally. No one says sea monster, but but all the all the tropes, all the hints point to sea monster. Well, if uh, ghost if ghost Neville saw a sea monster, he would say sea monster <laughs> over and over again because he has to identify whatever's in front of him in yeah, the creepiest yeah. way possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that that's one of the best little <laughs> conventions of this movie is once Harry like starts to you know, lose time and, and be controlled, possessed by this alien force, whatever. Like he keeps seeing his dad, Neville appear in, in various circumstances. And Neville just tells him like what he's supposed to go kill or eat. And it's just like, dog, dog. And it's like, it might be stupid if it wasn't Neville, 
I don't know. I'm, it, I'm not sure. It, well, I, I think it's actually scary. Um, it is I scary. Think, I think yeah, it's... Yeah, I agree. It's I think good. it's scary, but... It's a little silly, but it's scary. It is a little silly, and especially, like, you know, if you have, you know, talked with Neville in person, <laughs> and then you, you kind of, like, it takes you out of it a little bit, and you can kind of leave your body and, and leave the movie and be like, this is actually a pretty... <laughs> like, if you clip that 30 seconds and, and put it on Twitter, everyone would be like, this looks like the worst movie of all time. <laughs> um, but in context, it works. But here's the thing. So, so we talk about aliens. There are no aliens in this movie, and there's not even the hint of aliens until the very, very, very end of the movie. So, for the most part, you're seeing this, and if I think what you're supposed to believe, and what I believe, is that there is some sort of uh, sea phenomenon, sea monster, if you will, out in the sound, and it is infecting fishermen with the equivalent of toxoplasmosis, some sort of Mm -hmm. parasite that is tricking these fishermen into taking things like dogs and deer or, you know, egos or whatever the hell they have, (laughs) food items, and taking them out into the sound and, you know, feeding this thing. Yeah. And, and and it escalates, right? So it starts with him, you know, raiding the refrigerator and like, you know, taking the egos out and fe- pulling, you know, taking him to the boat and then they he wakes up and he's like, "Oh shit." It's all gone. Then it escalates, and you know he's he takes a deer, he hits a deer with his car, and he feeds it to the thing. And then he, mm-hmm. you know, kidnaps the neighbor's dog and feeds it to the thing. And then he tries to kill women and 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 feed it to the thing. And then ultimately, at the end, you know, there's this little girl that's been hanging out the whole movie, not doing a whole lot. And you're like, oh, I know he's gonna go, he's gonna go for that little girl. <laughs> that's gonna be the end of the movie, and he does. Well, and Neville already kind of did in, in a, yeah, in a kind of tried. oblique sort of scene yeah it's unclear what exactly happened there but that was pretty unnerving too right? yeah yeah that was a good scene so you have all that but then long story short between a couple conversations with the conspiracy theorist friend and a little trip to visit a guy who had all this happen to him years ago and now lives in a little trailer without technology I think all the parasite stuff is kind of a red herring. Like we yeah. do get some vivid scenes of like Harry throwing up like centipedes and shit, but it's all in his head. Mm-hmm. What's actually happening is a otherworldly intelligence aliens, if you will, is controlling electronic devices and using them to communicate and brainwash people. And they are going and, and t- re- re- uh, Stephen might disagree. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, I'm, this is giving me a callback to malignant <laughs> now that I'm thinking about oh. it. <laughs> um, so using these electronic devices to communicate and our hero is being compelled by the electronics around him to mm-hmm. recover things that the aliens want to study and they take them up just like our epa hero is you know capturing frogs and fish and stuff um and i was gonna say it is basically an intergalactic epa that we're it's dealing in, with in, here inter- intergalactic it's ipa if you will <laughs> I, I could use one i could use one <laughs> which and i mean that concept is is strongly reinforced in the text of the movie by you know we hear the whole monologue from the epa woman about you know experimenting on fish or whatever the whole speech she gave to her daughter that we referenced Mm -hmm. earlier in the episode that you all hear in voiceover again at the end a voiceover flashback i guess which you know more or less seals the deal that this is indeed aliens collecting specimens if you take one fish out of the ocean and study it you can help all the other fish you know like that's her sort of methodology yeah and the, so the, the climax of the movie is Harry abducts 
uh, his niece, the little girl, and takes her out on the boat in the middle of the night to feed her to the aliens. And the the mom, the EPA sister, gets on the boat with them goes out to the site they hunker down in the hold while all the abduction shit goes on and then it's kind of unclear to me like what happens then i the little girl's fine right she never leaves the hold but but epa mom gets sucked out of the hold and into the sky as does harry i think yes and And sometimes gets to come back somehow gets to come back yeah we never see harry again so maybe he lives he's he's probably toast he's either dead in the water or he's living on the mothership right now and they just the aliens ate him like an ego they did. They they ate his eyes like for jujubees. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, speaking of environmental films, talking about as an Avatar reference. Um, oh, I just like jujubees, so I laughed. <laughs> anyway, um, and then yeah, they 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 spit EPA mom back into the water, and she survives. And yeah, we get that that monologue about you know abducting a few to save a lot so mm-hmm. my read and i think the read we're supposed to have is that you know uh there is ecological crisis on this planet and the aliens are here to help but first they're trying to study our biology hmm. that's what i took away from it that's pretty much what i took away from it too i did find it to be a pretty thin conclusion yeah for um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I concluded that aliens were experimenting on us. I guess I didn't read in the bit about ecological collapse, though. Yeah, and I mean, well, it's I, all there. The seeds are planted, but they're not really dealt with with any kind of uh, degree of finesse. You know? Right, it's, just, it's all there for the horror to see all the fish washing up on on the on the sand and the birds falling out of the sky and all that stuff. They're just they're just horror beats. I don't think this movie has anything deep to say about environmental collapse. Right, and I think that I think that kind of gets to the root of my issue with it, because, you know, I think if you're going to compare this movie to others, another one that comes to mind for me is take shelter, which Mm. is very much. There's a, there are phenomena happening throughout the movie. We don't know why they're happening. We don't know if they're real or imagined. And the movie is, you know, still somewhat inconclusive about it in the end, but it's all in the service of some pretty powerful thematic stuff about, religion, faith, paternal authority. And to me, you know, I mean, I, 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 I guess I liked the reveal that it was aliens, but to, to kind of give me so little of the actual genre thrill with not a lot of thematic underpinning, it just all felt like a lot of, uh, a lot of, I, I want, you know, I guess I'm, I guess I'm uh, stumbling over the, you know, old, sound and fury signifying nothing but it's a lot of it's very little sound and fury that also signifies nothing in the end to me well since you put it in the company of i mean god bless you for bringing up take shelter i haven't thought about that movie in like mm. 10 years what Love a fucking that masterpiece that conclusion is so powerful not only because of just the surprise and the thrill of seeing what you see at the end of that movie but for me, and I'm sure it was the same for you, Patrick, I don't think you've seen it, Chris, and you, you'd love it. Um, it's right yeah. up your alley. I spent a long time after that film ended thinking about what those characters were going to do with the information they were given at the end of that film. Mm. It haunted me for days, weeks. This film, I was like, okay, well, they let her go. Uh, right. We're done. I don't know. I don't know what any of this really means in the end. Yeah. Right. And, and really, whatever, like... 
it's whatever's gonna happen in the world of this movie is more interesting to me than this because this is this is like at the end in the in literally the last 20 seconds of the movie mm-hmm. they hint at a macro design that these aliens have for you know what re-engineering our planet or something or like you know ensuring the survival of humanity or something but that's not even revealed to the to the characters it's revealed to us by recycling that voiceover about the frog capture um so you know if you're if you're epa mom what you just had a close encounter of the third kind how does this change your outlook on life it really doesn't it's like oh damn yeah well and we uh, here's the thing too like we know that once you get abducted or once you're you know you have any even peripheral contact with the aliens you come back fucked up and yes. like dysfunctional so it seems like a hopeful ending on the surface and that, well, she made it out, but we know that she's going to go cause a lot of people, a lot of heartbreak on the Island uh, yeah. when she gets back. And I don't really know what the filmmakers mean to imply by suggesting that. Right. Cause yeah, we have no reason to hope other than that voiceover. That's like, by the way, th- th- this is aliens and-, and there's a hopeful reason why they're doing this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also that she doesn't look crazy when she comes back, she appears, I guess, cogent. You know, she seems to be herself reacting to that situation in the way that she would naturally. But she's just come up for air, right? Like when we last see her, am I wrong that she's just come like comes up out of the ocean for air and is like, whoa, that that was fucked up. It's like the end of gravity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, so there's so little to read from that final moment about what this implies for her character that I, I, I didn't find it frustrating. I think I was still in that moment enthralled with the thrill of the climax, yeah. and I and I didn't in that moment um, because that that sequence worked so well. I didn't really need any any big questions or answers or you know uh, any, anything thematic to chew on afterward. And, and but maybe a half hour after the film ended, I started asking questions like, "What what was that really all about?" I feel yeah, like they and, could have done a little more there. And I can say that I was left, you know, curious about the larger design and the larger implications of of the the revelation. But really, this is an intimate story. It's about one family, yeah. Um, and it it doesn't really matter, you know, to this movie what's going to happen. It's all kind of through the eyes of this this one family and what they go through. Um, so in the and, end, and it succeeded on that level. So. It did. I think in the end, though, it kind of stumbles upon itself and becomes kind of a walking conspiracy theory. Like, because it doesn't have more to offer, I feel like this is like a tale that the conspiracy theorist friend is going to tell people and nobody's going to believe him and it's not going to make any difference. And this is going to keep happening over and over again. Right. But, you know, we just have to trust the aliens. And, and you know, I guess I guess if you're looking for a, a, a takeaway, a moral takeaway, it would be that, you know, humans have fucked this up. Humans have have exercised no responsibility over the condition of their their planet's ecology and so now there's a higher intelligence here uh to set things right even if it has to break a few eggs to make that omelet um and that's (laughs) fine but i but i don't think this is a movie that's especially interested in politics or the, the environment really it's just kind of a hook for this creepy little story about these people living on this island and that's good enough not everything has to be avatar (laughs) <laughs> and not everything has to be a Mike Flanagan series. Like That's I think, true. I think with with this level of production value and how young these filmmakers seem to be, at least as far as their career 
careers go, um, this could have been a really boring, cliched movie if it had higher aspirations to talk about big issues. Um, I like that it's just like a a clean little thriller. Yep. Everything they wanted to do, they did well. And we Mm -hmm. can sit here and we can say, well, it's not the movie I wanted to see. And we love to do that. (laughs) We love to do that. But it's, it's, there's nothing wrong. No one did anything wrong here. (laughs) This movie is crime-free. God bless. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I guess I would say it's well made. It just did not do a whole hell of a lot for me. I don't know that it will stick with me. I'm curious about that. Um, because that, that tends to be the case with a slow burn. And this is definitely what I would describe as a slow burn. The real test is whether or not I, it pops into my mind a couple of days after I've seen it. Mm. I don't know. I'll report back on the next step. Yeah. Next yeah. time, next time you see a little girl. and and, you know the the concept of aliens sort of writing the the ship isn't that compelling to me again not to compare it to these other movies i've been talking about like sea fever and the beach house and stuff there's those are movies about the earth itself sort of lashing back and or correcting the situation like you know if the humans are derelict in their duty to this planet something's gonna come out of the sea and fuck up the humans <laughs> yeah and that's that's a little bit more toothy to me than the idea of like oh we're gonna have deus ex machina space aliens show up and maybe save us from ourselves well this might be a tangent that we will probably cut from the episode depending on the reaction but have you guys read childhood's end by arthur c Clarke? No, never heard of it. I think you'd you'd enjoy it. It's a a foundation of of like silver age science fiction, I think. And it's basically aliens come to Earth. They're like, we've been watching you. You fucked up. We're here. We're the emergency managers and we're going to fix everything. (laughs) But they look like devils, like they have Mm. horns and wings. And um, and like that, that, that's a really kind of it's not horror necessarily it's more straightforward science fiction but like that that kind of thing is really compelling to me and i'm glad that this movie didn't i'm glad that this feels more like a prequel to that kind of story like Mm. that's much more interesting to me to see how like actual people are are affected by this unknown force Uh, but it's a but it's a tale as old as time i guess that's the point i'm trying to make indeed yeah i don't know i'm gonna have an anxiety attack if i think about it any longer i think (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the the state of the world and the state of the environment and what could possibly happen to build a consensus around environmental issues whether it's from space or not you could literally have aliens land and say you know what guess what we're here we're here from the future we've seen what you're doing we're here and we've brought a cold fusion reactor to solve all your energy needs so you stop killing your planet and half the country would say i i uh, i did my own research and that's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i i firmly agree i think you you've made a good case for childhood's end being outdated mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think we would say well i mean fox news reported on it first it's probably not true it's yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it would cut either way um all right well is that, what, what, is that all we gotta say oh you were gonna say something else no i was sputtering to find a way to say i don't have anything else to say um roll that wheel, wheel out baby wheel of death my wheel what are we watching next week 
spin the fucking All right, wheel. It's time to it's time to bring out the cyber wheel of death. We've got every horror movie on Netflix loaded onto this random wheel, and we are gonna spin it and figure out what the hell we are watching for next episode. Here we mm-hmm. go. Give it a spin. We are watching Dark Skies. Which oh. I think is aliens. Oh, again. that's yeah, that's thematically appropriate. Dark skies with with none other than J.K. Simmons. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. I I don't know what movie I was thinking of, but I thought it was Nazis. Okay, I remember this poster. Dark sky. Ooh, star studded. We got. Oh, Carrie you're thinking Russell. of uh, wasn't it, what crimson blood blood sky or something? There was a Nazi zombie movie that I think yeah, had you sky know in the title. Of. Yeah. Um, Okay, produced by Jason Blum. Never a good sign. <laughs> Always a good sign. A family's oh, yeah. idyllic suburban life shatters when an alien force invades their home as they struggle to convince others of the deadly threat. Sounds great. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. The truth is out there and we're going to fucking find it. I remember this being horribly reviewed when it came out, but I will Shh, keep quiet. an I will keep it's an open mind. Great. I will it's keep an open great. mind. Alien <laughs> It's Alien Month on Amon. <laughs> alien V Fletcher. <laughs> oh, I'm, this is a great transition, yeah, because I think we're going to see an alien. This sentence in the description, when it becomes clear that their family is being targeted by an unimaginably terrifying, deadly, and possibly alien threat, <laughs> that's all I need to hear. That's all I need to hear. I don't want to know what happens next. I'm not going to read that. This sounds I, great. I, Guys, I maybe yeah. it's another misdirect. Maybe it's actually a movie about a sea monster. <laughs> I, hope I welcome so. it. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> It'd be a fun, fun genre twist. I like it. We'll find out. All right. I hope it takes place in the Whiplash Cinematic Universe. Me too. (laughs) The WCU. Well, this has been fun as always, guys. Looking forward to Dark Skies. It was fun to talk aliens and sea monsters and DVDs with y'all. Can't wait until the next episode for every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Steven. I'm Chris. And I'm Patrick. Bye-bye. See ya. Left this morning from the bed